come to a difficult passage this morning. Sometimes difficult passages, all they need to have done is read them. Somebody say amen and we'll go home. But uh, that would keep me out of a lot of hot water, I think, that this passage could get me into. But that's okay. As God is our witness, we will do our best to bring to light at least that what I see in this particular passage this morning. Let's pray together. Father, And I stand before these wonderful people, and this morning, for some reason, I feel ill-equipped. This passage is difficult. And it's difficulty in the fact that we want it to say what we want it to say. And it's difficult to have it say what it's supposed to say. And that's how I feel uh, this morning. Ill-equipped. In some ways, even frightened (laughs) to share with the people this morning. But, God, I thank you for your sustaining power. And I pray, Lord, that and ask that tradition would not overshadow the correct interpretation that we find in this closing part of the book of James. I pray, O oh God, that you would help me by you speaking through me to share the words, O God, that you want to have shared. Even if it means bypassing some scribblings on a piece of paper that I've put. Lord, I want you to be honored. And that's why we're here. They're not here to hear from me. Lord, we're here to hear from you. And may the words of my mouth and the testimony of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my God and my Redeemer. We need to hear from you today. And I pray, O oh God, that you would open your word. And Jesus told us that the Holy Spirit would teach us things and bring all things to our remembrance. And I pray that, Holy Spirit, that you would come and take over. Make plain, O Lord God, what James is trying to communicate to individuals who are suffering. Many of us, even here this morning, have been beat up by the events of life. And so, God, we need from you a a healing balm that can only come from your word. I pray that you would teach us, strengthen us, change us for your honor and glory. I want to lift up also, Lord, individuals of our congregation that have had surgeries and anticipated tests of medical realm 
I thank you, Lord, for the success of Donna Hauser's surgery. And as she recovers, I pray, O oh God, that you would uh, allow her to have strength from you. Not only just the healing process from the surgery, but Lord, I pray that you would give her physical strength and a spiritual awareness that you're there. I pray for our dear young sister, Natalie Campbell. She's anticipating a test that has to do with a situation of her heart at time races and doctors haven't been overly confident as to what the cause of that is. And the anticipated test that Natalie will go through a week from this coming Wednesday, I, I already, Lord, and will praise you that you will give the doctors the wisdom that they need through that test in order, Lord, that they would be able to know what they need to do in order to aid. But yet, Lord, we understand that healing ultimately comes from you. And so by your grace and for your will and certainly for your glory, I pray that you would work through Natalie's life. Give her, O oh Lord, the comfort to know that you're there already. And may she sense your presence. I want to thank you, Lord, for this past week of being able to go and to visit with Chuck Bingaman's dad. What a joy it was, Lord, to be able to share with him the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and how he, by simple faith, just trusted in you. But yet, Lord, he still has had surgeries. More could be anticipated. But I thank you, Lord, that you've healed him spiritually. He no longer is lost. Now he's found. He's no longer dead. He's alive. And I'm grateful, God, for that privilege. And I pray, Lord, as anticipated, more surgeries were on the horizon that you would just bless Greg. And get another opportunity to visit with him, Lord. I pray that I would be there to strengthen him and to encourage him. But in the meantime, I'm thankful that you're there. And I pray, Lord, for guidance, decisions that need to be made, both by doctors, but also family. Guide them and direct them, Lord, as you would have them to move in your will in such a way that you receive all the honor and the glory. Lord, I pray that this morning that my weaknesses would turn out to be your strength. And I pray that my words would be your words. Your thoughts would be my thoughts. Your ways would be our ways. And your grace would sustain us through all of that. So unto you, O oh Lord, we commit this day and this time 
for your glory and for your purpose. And I'll thank you in your name. Amen. The difficulty of the passage of James chapter 5, beginning at verse 13, finds its nestling place, if you will, more than more in tradition than it does in anticipation or interpretation. I confess to you that I have used this passage for ways that I thought it should have been used. But in my study, I've come to realize that there were moments when I was wrong. So if you wish to write me a pink slip, that'll be fine. But this morning, I need to share with you the reality and the truth of this passage so that um, when we come to the Word of God, we always want to come to it anticipating that what we read and what we learn is the truth. And so this morning, I, I stand before you, though you cannot see me, but my knees are shaking this morning. Let me read for you the passage that we'll delve into here, and I wish that clock would move faster. Is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him, with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of the faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave forth rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Brethren, if any among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul. Save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. What is James talking about? <laughs> That's the question. And if we can roll back the pages of the text, you'll come to realize that he's sharing on a different level, a different plane than what we're used to seeing in this passage. 
He is speaking to individuals who have been beaten up by this world. The first indication, it says, is any of you suffering? Suffering from what? The answer to that question is back in chapter 1. When we have trials and developing of patience. That patience may have its perfect work that we may be found not wanting, but mature. Sometimes that path takes us through times of suffering, and that's not what we want to hear. We don't mind gaining patience as long as we get it the way we want it to come. But in many ways, it doesn't work that way. I'm, I'm not talking about the kind of patience where you're sitting in the vehicle waiting for your wonderful wife to come out of a grocery store. That's, that's not what James is talking about here. It's not the kind of patience that as you're at a stoplight or stop sign and the individual in front of you doesn't seem too much in a hurry to go when the light turns green or when you see no one's coming. That's not the kind of patience that James is talking about here. For a clearer understanding of what James is talking about, we just need to go back a few verses. Not to the very beginning, but into the delves, if you will, into the waves of verses 7 through 11. It, It is there that all of a sudden we find ourselves awakened to the truth that these people that James is writing to are being mistreated harshly. They're not getting money for food because the ones that they're working for is hoarding it and keeping it for himself. And they even find themselves later on in the text is that they even are being killed. They're being killed. Thus James says, If any among you is suffering. Suffering is something that we don't enjoy, but yet even the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3 recognizes it that in order to really know who Jesus Christ is, we must also be willing to partake of His suffering. Jesus even mentioned to his disciples in the upper room discourse of John chapter 14, 15, and 16 that they're going to be hated, just as he was. And they are going to suffer, just as Jesus was about to. And so James begins this closing of his book we would at least hope it would have been a closing, a conclusion of maybe a little bit more excitement than is any of you suffering. (laughs) But James is 
realizing of life. He's writing to individuals who have two strikes against them. In chapter 1 and verse 1, James is directing his message to individuals who are dispersed. They have been put aside through persecution and suffering. They're persecuted in one sense for the fact that they are Jewish. They're the twelve tribes as he describes them. And they're suffering because not only are they Jewish, but now they are brethren, followers of Jesus Christ. In one way, they are despised by the religion that they came out of. And in another way, they're being hunted down by the political system that can't stand them. They're suffering. But notice what James says. Is any among you suffering? Let him, what everybody, the next word, let him pray. From verse 13 all the way down to verse 18, every verse has the same theme. You'll find in it the word pray or prayer. We come to this passage in many ways thinking that this is the remedial, if you will, answer to all of our sicknesses. We feel that we can come here and claim God at His Word and Him to rescue us from our ills of life. But experiences tells us that doesn't always happen, does it? I was asked a very good question by a very wonderful young lady. And her question is this, that if, if God knows who is and who is not going to be able to respond to his healing, then why should we even pray? That's a good question. I trust that my answer to her was hopefully just as good because the reason we pray is because we're commanded to pray. The second reason is is that we don't know the full will of God in an individual's life. We don't know what God's going to do. We're not aware of His hand. I'm totally aware of Deuteronomy 29, 29, that there are deep things that only belong to God and no one's going to know them. You're not going to find them written in any scripture or any book. They belong to him and him alone. And I think one of those things is his will. To totally understand and come to grips with the will of God 
It's almost like trying to nail tapioca pudding to a wall. You'll catch some of it, but you're not going to capture it all. And James is closing his message, maybe not in this exuberant or exhilarating conclusion, but he's come right down, as someone said, to put the rubber to the road. Life and events cause suffering. And James says, if any of you are suffering, like he has just said before, pray. If any of among you are cheerful, let him sing psalms. By the way, though that is still a form of prayer. Praise is still a form of prayer. And when we engage ourselves as a congregation into that hymn, How Great Thou Art, we are singing praise to God. We, in one moment of time, are engaged with heart, mind, and soul. Maybe not with good voices, but heart, mind, and soul. And we together are praising God. That's prayer. But where we find the difficulty is the next verse. (laughs) When it says, Is anyone among you sick? What does that word sick mean? Tradition tells us that it can mean anything from a hangnail to cancer. But the original language is different. It's translated sick, and we have in mind illnesses that are just racking us up. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. A cold only lasts seven days. So please, don't call my office and say, Pastor, will you pray for me? I got a cold. I'm going to tell you, just wait seven days and you'll be fine. That's not what this passage is talking about. The word sick comes from the Greek word of weakness. So in other words, if any among you are weak, you've come to the end of your rope. You're thinking life can't get any worse than what it is right now. You have no idea what God is doing and even why He's doing it. And you're looking for the next ship to leave Tarshish. That's the meaning of this passage. It's the end of the road. And you've got no more gas to get you across the street. Any of you are weak. You've been beat up 
all week long. Forces of darkness been working you over like a baker making bread. And they're kneading and punching you and you're wondering, what's the use? And James says to do something. When you feel you can't go any further, James is saying, call somebody. Call those individuals. He lists them as elders. But I want to take it a little bit further than that to mean call someone who you know is on a spiritual level with God. You may not be, but you know someone who is. Call them for the purpose that they can pray for you. In other words, these people are at that point that they can't even pray. They are that frustrated, they are that defeated that they've got nowhere to go. Go to church? you got to be kidding me. Sing a hymn? you got to be out of your mind. I need somebody to stand between me and my circumstances of life. Between me and God. Call, James says, the elders, the spiritual leaders of the church so that they can come on your behalf and they bring something along with them. They bring oil. Now, this oil that in reference here draws us quickly back to when Samuel went to meet the, fest, the sons of Jesse. And he lined them all up. And Jesse was convinced that the oldest, the strongest, the brightest looking was the one. And yet God said, no, move down the line, son. And he got to the last one and he, is this the one? No, there's one more. He's out mending and tending sheep. We'll go get him. Bring him in. Oh, wait a minute now. This is David. He's young. And all he does all day long is tend sheep. He's got the worst job. Remember, shepherds were even lower in stature of society. And ladies, hold on. Even lower than you. And when the king, that's to be anointed king, is out tending sheep, Samuel said, God, you got to be kidding. No, go get him. Don't look on his outside. Because I already know what's in his heart. Go get him. And when he came in, what did Samuel do? Anointed him with oil. Oil had a way of distinction of greatness. 
And then our mind wanders to the New Testament of when Jesus is in a Pharisee's home. And a woman comes in who was never invited. She comes in with a flask of oil. Very, very expensive. And she anoints Jesus. And Jesus said, she's anointed me for my death. Oil had a way of accentuating what God was about to do. And when James is saying, call those who are spiritual to come and they're going to pour oil on you, literally what he is saying is, God's about to do something great. And you don't know it yet. You've been beat up. You're at the end of your rope. And you got no more gears left in the transmission. You are done. But yet, I'm glad, and you should be glad too, that God is never finished. They are to anoint you with oil. And that even means that if you do have wounds, if you've been bruised, if you've been cut, if you've been harmed, this oil was supposed to be a medicinal purpose also. To bring about a healing of your physical life so that through that, you can sense the spiritual strength. What's interesting, this word down here that says, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. That word saved literally means deliver. Now here's the catch. Get this now. Deliver you not just physically, but spiritually. That's the key. Spiritual deliverance. James is saying, when you're at the end and you've got no place to go, rest assured, God will be there. He won't let you down. And he gives an example, Elijah. Now, the words that James used here are really interesting because it says Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. Was Elijah beat up? Yeah. Did Elijah suffer? Yeah, he did. To the point they had a queen looking for his head. And when Elijah prayed to have it stop raining, you go back and check the text. Go back to 1 Kings chapters 17 and 18. You go back there and check out the text. You're going to realize that when Elijah prayed to not have it rain, he ran for his life. Because Ahab was searching for him. 
He was fed at a brook by ravens who brought him food every day until even the brook dried up. Then he went to a widow's house and she was at the end of her stuff too. She had no more meal. She, she had one more measure of meal in order to make bread for the last meal that she thought she was going to have. And she had concerned herself that me and my son are going to die. You don't think Elijah suffered? And then after three and a half years, he says to a guy, go tell Ahab he can meet me here. That guy said, you got to be kidding me. For three and a half years, we've been looking for you. We've searched every providence to find you. No one came back and said we could find you. And you want me to go back and tell Ahab that I found you? You know what he's going to do to me? Elijah said, he won't touch you. Just tell him, I'll meet him at this place. Ahab shows up. I'd have loved to have been on that conversation. Boy, where you been? I got a queen in my castle that is madder than a hornet's nest. She wants to kill you. Where you been? Doesn't matter where I've been, it's where I'm going. I'm going to a mountaintop. I want you to bring all of her prophets with you. We're going to do battle up there. Now, careful now. After Ahab brought all of the prophets of Baal and the prophets of the Ashtaroth, it says in the text, then he prayed after that battle. Well, you know the story. Then he prayed again, and it began to rain. The text says, Elijah, you are no different than him. You can do the same thing. And God will bless. So dynamic is that, that James closes in verses 19 and 20, that we can even, through prayer, And through face-to-face confrontation, we can rescue someone who's turned their back on the truth and bring them back to Jesus. I'm going to ask you a convicting question. But I've got to ask it because the text won't let me not ask it. When's the last time you called someone that you hadn't seen in church for a while just to see what's going on. Don't worry about you thinking messing in their lives. You're not. You're trying to rescue them from running away. And God will bless it. 
because he says this. Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul. Deliver a soul from death and cover a multitude of sin. Sometime the maturing process isn't as easy as what we think it is. Sometimes we got to get dirty. We got to become involved in lives who are messed up. But James says, there's two things we can do. We can pray and pursue. We've talked this morning about sensitivity to needs, supplication for needs, and significance of needs. And it's all by prayer and pursuit. Will you commit yourselves to just calling somebody and say, hey, I miss seeing you. Is everything okay? What can I do to help? Pursue. Don't let them fall off the end of the earth. Let them know that you care. Pray for them. Pursue them with a purpose of rescuing them back to the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your strength. Thank you that this morning, I trust, was not a waste of these people's time. We've come to the end of the message, both from James and myself. Sometimes the ending is not as pleasant as we'd like it to be. But it's the truth. You've called us to pray. You've called us to pursue. And in either case, lives are at stake. So may we, O Lord God, take up the gauntlet and allow you to work mightily in our presence. Just like Elijah, we're no different than he is. He's no different than us. And yet, by his prayer and trusting in you and you alone, you accomplish great things through him. And that can happen here at Grace Community Church just by trusting in you, praying and pursuing. Let that be our passion, O Lord, and I'll thank you in your name. Amen.